0: Hello, friends. It's November 28th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. What a blessing it is to have free access to God's Word and to be able to read it, hear it, meditate upon it, and spend time each day with a fresh drink from the Well of Salvation. In each passage that we read, we consider the God who has made Himself known to us and how He has been and is and will be working to bring about His perfect redemptive purposes— My name is David McAdam, and today I will be continuing our tour through the prophecies of Daniel in the Old Testament and the Apostle Peter's second epistle, as well as making our daily stops in the books of Psalms and Proverbs. We are in the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel today, and we will be reading of an incident that takes place at least 23 years after the incident we read about yesterday in chapter 4. Daniel now is an octogenarian in his 80s, and Belshazzar is the ruler in Babylon. Once again, Daniel will be called upon to bring an important interpretation to the fore. Let's read together from Daniel chapter 5, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Daniel is called to interpret the handwriting on the wall. Chapter 5, verse 1 and the king and his lords his wives and his concubines drank from them they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver bronze iron wood and stone immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand and the king saw the hand as it wrote then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing, and shows me its interpretation, shall be clothed with purple, and have a chain of gold around his neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing, or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever! Let not your thoughts alarm you, or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. Daniel interprets the handwriting. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you, that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship, and greatness, and glory, and majesty, and because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. WHOM HE WOULD HE KILLED, AND WHOM HE WOULD HE KEPT ALIVE, WHOM HE WOULD HE RAISED UP, AND WHOM HE WOULD HE HUMBLED, BUT WHEN HIS HEART WAS LIFTED UP AND HIS SPIRIT WAS HARDENED SO THAT HE DEALT PROUDLY, HE WAS BROUGHT DOWN FROM HIS KINGLY THRONE, AND HIS GLORY WAS TAKEN FROM HIM. HE WAS DRIVEN FROM AMONG THE CHILDREN OF MANKIND, AND HIS MIND WAS MADE LIKE THAT OF A BEAST, AND HIS DWELLING WAS WITH THE WILD DONKEY'S. HE WAS FED GRASS LIKE AN OX and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind, and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, or hear, or know, but the god in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Techo, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage from the book of Daniel. Daniel is now more than 80 years old. Chapter 5 takes place 66 years after chapter 1, and at least 23 years after chapter 4, because Nebuchadnezzar died in 562 B.C., Daniel was taken to Babylon in 605 BC when Nebuchadnezzar came to power. Babylon would have five more kings after Nebuchadnezzar's death. Daniel would experience 66 years under Babylonian rule with six different kings. The Babylonian Empire comes to a sudden end in chapter 5 when its last emperor, Belshazzar, is killed and the Medes and the Persians conquer the city. Here is the chronology of the Babylonian kings of the Neo-Babylonian era, the 11th dynasty of Babylon. Number one, there was Nabopolassar, 626 to 605 B.C. Number two, Nebuchadnezzar II, from 605 to 562 B.C. Number three, Evil Merodach, from 562 to 560 B.C. He was the son of Nebuchadnezzar II. Number four, there was the reign of Negro Sharezer from 560 to 556 BC. He was the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar II and murdered evil Merodach. Number five was Lambashit Marduk from 556 BC, the son of Negro Sharezer, murdered after deemed unfit to rule. Number six was Nabonidus from 556 to 539 B.C., the last Mesopotamian king of Babylon, often left his rule to Belshazzar in co-regency arrangement. And number seven, Belshazzar, who reigned from 553 to 539 B.C., the son of Nabonidus, who co-reigned with his father. When Cyrus of Persia took over Babylon's important trade routes, Nabonidus took on the project of trying to win them back, moving to Arabia to build a commercial empire, leaving Belshazzar in charge of Babylon as his vice-regent. This chapter records the last evening of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Babylon, the first of the four empires in the Age of the Gentiles Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, would fall to the divided Empire of the Medeans and Persians. Daniel knew this day was coming, He was a student of the prophecies of Jeremiah who predicted the fall of Babylon. Some of these prophecies in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51 are still for the future, but these verses were accurately fulfilled in the first fall of Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 11 reads, Sharpen the arrows, fill the quivers. The Lord has aroused the spirit of the kings of the Medes, because his purpose is against Babylon to destroy it for it is the vengeance of the Lord, vengeance for his temple. Lift up a signal against the walls of Babylon, post a strong guard, station sentries, place men in ambush, for the Lord has both purposed and performed what he spoke concerning the inhabitants of Babylon. O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasures, your end has come, the measure of your end. Jeremiah chapter 51 verses 11 through 13. Jeremiah even predicted the method by which the Medes and Persians would take the city. They would cut off the waters of the Euphrates that fed the moats that surrounded the city, lowering the water level so the armies could enter the city through the aqueduct gates that were usually submerged under water. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to plead your case and exact full vengeance for you and i will dry up her sea and make her fountain dry jeremiah 51 verse 36 jeremiah also gives us a prophetic picture of the drunken feast in verse 39 of jeremiah 51 when they become heated up i will serve them their banquet and make them drunk that they may become jubilant and may sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake up declares the lord jeremiah chapter 51 verse thirty-nine. Belshazzar's feast in Babylon would make the feast of Haasuerus Xerxes II, described in the book of Esther, chapter 1, look smaller by comparison. The dining hall in Babylon, we are told in extra-biblical accounts, was 1,650 feet wide and one mile long. There were 4,500 stone pillars lining the walls, shaped like elephants, and standing 20 feet high trained peacocks with gold and silver trimmed harnesses drew miniature chariots laden with choice food and wine for the guests numbering one thousand. All this would be changed overnight as the Medes and Persians cut off the waters of the Euphrates. This gave the armies unprecedented access through water tunnels, enabling them to enter an otherwise impregnable city. The war would be won without a long fight. It was timed in God's providence at the climactic moment when Belshazzar proudly invited his guests to drink themselves to drunkenness with the silver and gold vessels that he proudly proclaimed had been stolen by his ancestor Nebuchadnezzar from the temple of the Hebrews in Jerusalem. The holy purpose of these temples was now being publicly desecrated. These inanimate objects created for holy use in the temple of the one true God, were now being worshipped by pagans in the birthplace of idolatry. John Phillips writes in his commentary on Daniel, quote, Then it happened, out of the dark sleeve of the night appeared a mysterious moving hand. The king sees it first. It was eerie, uncanny, and terrifying, the hand of a specter. The king's immediate reaction resembled a case of delirium tremors. Wild, terrifying hallucinations, brought on by heavy drinking, Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. Daniel chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. The words, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Perez, baffled all none of the magi could interpret their meaning. Daniel would give his last interpretation recorded in this book, but before he does he gives Belshazzar a history lesson, reminding him that his ancestor Nebuchadnezzar was humbled until he recognized that the Most High God was sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth, and he sets over them anyone he wishes. But you have not humbled yourself, though you knew this. You have set yourself against the Lord of heaven. You did not honor the God who holds in His hand your life and all your ways. Daniel chapter 5, verse 23. Daniel then interprets the shortest prophecy in the Bible. This was a prophecy of only four words made up of only a dozen letters. Jonah's prophecy comes close to being the shortest, consisting of only eight words in English. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Daniel was able to decipher the words putting together the letters in his head, no matter in what order they were written. Mene, numbered, Tekel, weighed, and Perez, divided. The repetition of the word Mene emphasized that the days of Belshazzar's life and kingdom were numbered. God has numbered his days and now they had come to an end. Tekel, Belshazzar, his gods, and his kingdom were weighed in the balances and found wanting. God gave the king time for repentance, even as he had for his ancestor Nebuchadnezzar. But Belshazzar did not humble himself. Instead, he insulted the God of Israel by mocking the holy vessels of the temple. Perez. His kingdom would be divided from him by a divided kingdom of Medes and Persians. The king responds to Daniel as he promised. He honored the interpreter of his dream with a scarlet robe and golden chain of office. Daniel is made number three in command, second only to Nabonidus and Belshazzar. However, Belshazzar would no longer have the authority to bestow honors. He was killed that night, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 20, and Darius the Mede, 62 years old, would now rule. This is not Darius I, who ruled from 522 to 486 B.C., mentioned by Ezra, nor is this the Persian Darius the Second, the father of Xerxes. Darius the Mede would have been an agent of Cyrus, known as Gubaru, or this could be another name for Cyrus himself. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the New Testament, the second epistle of Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. False prophets and teachers. 2 Peter chapter 2. But false prophets also arose among the people making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly and if he rescued righteous lot greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked for as that righteous man lived among them day after day he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard then the lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, Born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children! Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved, for speaking loud boasts of folly They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from the second epistle of Peter. Peter warns his readers of false prophets and teachers that were among them. Peter remembers well that Jesus warned of false prophets in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 in chapter 24 verse 11 and Mark chapter 13 verses 22 and 23. He was now seeing Jesus's predictions coming true. False teachers were twisting the words of Jesus, telling people what they wanted to hear. They belittled the importance of Jesus's sinless life his atoning death and his bodily resurrection they made jesus into a mystic a guru or a spiritual master they denied his deity others denied his humanity saying that he was an emanation from god their teaching encouraged their followers to practice sexual impurity and give in to sensuality indulging the corrupt desires of the sinful nature peter makes the point that god will hold the unrighteous and rebellious accountable on the day of judgment yet he will rescue the godly. Peter gives these examples. Number one, the angels that rebelled. He sent them to hell, putting them into dungeons of darkness where they await eternal judgment. Second Peter chapter two, verse four, yet godly angels survive. Number two, God judged the ancient world with the flood for the world had become so corrupted that people desired to do evil continually. Genesis chapter six, verse five, yet he spared Noah in 2nd Peter chapter 2 verse 5 Number 3 God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly yet he rescued Lot who was tormented by the immorality and selfishness of his contemporary society in 2nd Peter chapter 2 verses 6 through 9 Peter makes it clear that God does not turn a blind eye to sin even if he is slow to bring judgment upon it and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. 2 Peter 2, verse 10 Today we see those who blaspheme and indulge in behavior condemned by God's word without any sense of remorse or shame. They despise authority. They consider themselves autonomous. No one tells them what to do. They are their own gods and yet they are slaves to their sin nature. Peter exhorts them not to be deceived. Don't give in to the suggestion that sin is nothing to be bothered about. Don't buy the excuse that everyone is doing it. Like Lot, we should be distressed by ungodliness. Beware of teachers that use the grace of God as a license to sin and do it in the name of liberty. They prove they are unregenerate by their works because they are still slaves of their own depravity. If they profess to know the Lord and do not recognize the sinfulness of sin and the need to turn from it, they prove that they are still living in bondage to the old nature. You can wash the pig, but a pig will act according to its inherent nature and wallow in the mud. Nothing short of a new nature through the new birth can liberate the human soul, and the new birth comes from turning away from sin and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, to the book of Psalms, where we continue to read Psalm 119, beginning with verse 113, and we will read through to verse 128. We will read the next eight verses, which begin with the Hebrew letter Samech. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers. That i may keep the commandments of my god uphold me according to your promise that i may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope hold me up that i may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually you spurn all who go astray from your statutes for their cunning is in vain all the wicked of the earth you discard like dross therefore i love your testimonies my flesh trembles for fear of you and I'm afraid of your judgments. The next eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Ayin. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. In the first set of eight verses, beginning with the Hebrew letter Samech, the writer contrasts the old ways of double-mindedness and evil-doing with the new relationship he has with sin he hates it he wants to flee from it he says away with it the psalmist prays sustain me uphold me do not let my hopes be dashed the Hebrew letter Ayin leads verses 120 to 128 the psalmist is committed to doing what is right but is surrounded by oppressors who advocate every false way they are law-breaking arrogant and unjust he prays He knows he needs discernment, therefore he needs God's Word. Deal with your servant according to your loving-kindness, and teach me your statutes. I am your servant, give me understanding, that I may know your testimonies. Psalm 119 verses 124 and 125 Do we esteem the revelation of God's Word? Do we commit to following its precepts? Are we indifferent in the name of political correctness? when others advocate every false way, in verse 126. Now let's move on to our final stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. This is a needed reminder. Don't pursue idle fancies. Be industrious as you steward God's gifts for the good of others. Your work is a blessing. Shortcuts cheat you. Now let's pray in the light of what we have just read. Heavenly Father, we would never want our lives to be weighed in the balances and found wanting. Our only hope for this not to be so is that we have put our hope in your Holy Son, our Redeemer. His sinless life and atoning death have balanced the scales and saved us from your wrath. Give us the love for the truth and the discernment to hate every false way. Cause us to say no to ungodliness by the Spirit of grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. This completes our excursion, folks, of our reading today from the One Year Bible. And God willing, will be with you tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our daily commentary from the One Year Bible, you can subscribe to a daily email by going to our website, newlife.org. May the Lord grant you great wisdom today as you let the Word of God dwell richly in you. And may you know His peace. Shalom.